All right, so we are in the season of Advent. It's hard to believe that today is Christmas Eve, but it is. Um, and so Advent is the season, the four weeks before uh, Christmas Day. And so within the church calendar, uh, again, it's the season of Advent, just waiting for the birth of Jesus. We wait for the Messiah. So the previous weeks, what we've talked about is peace, and then we had a time to press into our lament, the things that we suffer uh, in the here and now because the kingdom is not fully here. Last week, uh, we talked about joy. And then today, we're going to be looking at Mary, the uh, mother of Jesus, now, which I think is a really good habit because in many Protestant churches, we don't spend a lot of time really looking at Mary, who is a pretty phenomenal figure. Um, so, um, have you ever wondered, does God want me to be amazing or successful, um, or is a simple life really pleasing to God? Like, what does God actually want from me? And so, when we look at Mary, uh, we see that she had a very unique life. Uh, when she was pregnant and gave birth to Jesus, she would have been a teenager. She was just a young girl. Um, and she's approached by the angels to carry the Messiah. And I think that she's an amazing example to us uh, for many different reasons. I believe that Mary breaks stereotypes that we have in our understanding of our relationship with God. And certainly it kind of falls into this idea. One of the things that we say within the vineyard is that everybody gets to play, meaning it's not just the qualified or the most beautiful people or the most talented people, but everybody gets to participate within the kingdom of God, both out in the world and within the church. And so when we look at Mary, I certainly see this playing out that everybody gets Gets to play because even though now she's been elevated to the status of Mother Mary, which really she is, she's the only individual to have done what she did, which was carry um, Jesus. I think she was a normal and faithful young woman, which resonates with all of us, and that in Mary we really see the acceptance of being normal and faithful people. So today I'm going to be talking about a couple things. But two points is that, one, there is power in just being yourself and who you are, who God has created you to be, and that there's power in saying yes to God. So this idea that God just wants you to be you, which I know sounds funny, but I think a lot of us wrestle with that, that we think that God wants us to be someone other than we actually are, and that just by saying yes to God, I think we have that example in Mary. So we're going to be looking at a scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, <clears throat> it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So there's a couple of things I think we get wrong about Scripture, and one is that we tend to think of people within the Bible narrative as being exceptions or exceptional. Um, Moses was totally different. Isaiah wasn't actually totally a human. He wasn't like me. Ruth was a special type of woman. Uh, Paul was completely different than me. These weren't normal people. Um, They're exceptions to the rule uh, in that we think that they weren't like us. Um, But Joseph and Mary aren't described as exceptional anywhere within Scripture. They're just described as normal people. Um, We tend to think in terms of superstars and celebrities and icons. And so when we think about Mary now, she's elevated to this very large status, which is not completely incorrect. Um, But we tend to think that people in the Bible aren't like us, which means we can't be like them. So if we think these people are exceptional, when I look at myself, well, I'm not that exceptional, so that kind of excuses me. Well, I I can't be like them, so I'm not even sure how much I should try. But again, Mary isn't described as exceptional. I believe she was a normal person, which means um, we can be like her, minus carrying God in her womb and stuff like that, right? So there are some things that are very different about Mary. Again, this idea of of being yourself and saying yes to God. So she is a teenage girl. She's not really described as being exceptional. And an angel comes down and speaks to her. She's a teenager. Again, she's just a young lady. We think if I'm amazing, God would be able to use me more. Now, obviously, that's a generalization, but I think that that is actually true, that I need to be better and God will use me more. I know that I wrestled with that as a young guy. I, don't, I've, I haven't thought about this story in so long, you guys. Um, Linda and I were at a conference, and there was a gentleman speaking. His name was uh, Hans Peter Royale. And he was sharing this sermon about the crucifixion of Christ. And I thought, still to this day, do I think it's one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard about the crucifixion of Christ. And so, as was my way, I went and I found him. And I said, hey, I really want to spend time with you. I want to learn from you. Um, I I just want to hang out with you. And so he and I got together. Again, I I forget even where this was. We were sitting by this pond, and he asked me, he said, well, tell me about yourself. And I said, man, I'm trying so hard to follow Jesus. I'm doing everything I can. I'm reading scriptures all the time, praying as much as I can. I'm sharing the gospel as much as I can. I just want to be a better follower of Jesus. And I said, what should I do? I will never forget this for the rest of my life. He said, you need to repent. It's like, what? It's like, why do I need to repent? I thought I was doing everything right. It was very confusing for me then. It's not so confusing for me now. 
in that there's really nothing I can do. Chasing after Jesus doesn't make me any better of a Christian. It doesn't make him love me more. He just loves me. That I'm exceptional because Jesus is in me, therefore I'm exceptional. That's who I am. I can't um, make God love me any more if I do more. And again, I, I do think many of us wrestle. We think that God only uses exceptional people. But what great thing up to this point has Mary actually accomplished? She truly is a teenage girl. She hasn't done some huge grand thing for God to where God notices her. Um, Again, she's just this young lady. We project all sorts of stuff onto her that she was a prayer warrior in secret, some great intercessor that she memorized scripture on her own. She never had a bad thought, obviously. All these things. We think of her in these terms, but it never describes her in these ways. She did recognize the voice of God or the angels, but again, she's just a young girl, and who Mary is, is enough. Who you are right now is enough. Right here, right now. God isn't asking for the best version of you, which I think in many ways we're all trying to become the best versions of ourselves, but God isn't asking for the best version of Sean or whoever it is. God doesn't look at you and think, well, you should be, ought to be, can be. That's not how he sees us, and that's not how he sees Mary. God loves us just the way that we are. Um, so when we think about who Mary is versus what she accomplished, again, we tend to judge ourselves and others by what we or they accomplish. And then we project this idea onto God, God loves me because I've done X, Y, and Z, um, but why does God love you? None of us are truly like that exceptional of people. Um, God just loves us because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we're um, always right. Because we can't be. We're not always right. We can't be. Um, Why does God love us? I think what is amazing about Mary is she's just herself. She's simple She's honest, she's open, and she's willing. And she has this simple faith in God. This tiny mustard seed, if you will. What makes her amazing is that she's just herself. That's what she is. Which, if we're being honest, right, like my other job is being a therapist, so I get to hear all sorts of things from people. There's a lot of people who wrestle with just being themselves, just who they are, with the things that, the funky things that you bring to the table and the good things and the insecurities. And you guys have heard this whole idea of imposter syndrome. I think everybody has imposter syndrome. But I think when we look at Mary, Mary's just this simple teenage girl And she has this simple faith in Christ. Um, 
what if your faith in Christ is best demonstrated in you being who you are right here, right now? So some grand thing, like just accepting who you are is certainly a huge first step in having faith in Christ. And one of the terms in the New Testament is in Christ. You'll see that over and over and over again within the authors of the New Testament, in Christ, that I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. And one of the things that I've been mulling over lately, because I know that we wrestle with these things and how that applies to me, that in Christ, you cannot be any more awesome than you are right now. Like right now, you are as awesome as you ever can be because you are in Christ. You're like, well, I didn't read my Bible this morning, or I cussed someone out on the, in the car right here, or something happened. Like, you, you're in Christ, which makes you exceptional, which makes you amazing. And I wish that it felt like it sounds. Like, I wish I felt that way. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. I'm not even sure I want to hang out with my family during Christmas time. And I'm exceptional? Yes, in Christ. This is one of the grand mysteries of our faith. I wish it felt the same way that it sounds. Right? This whole in faith. Like, okay, in faith, I know I'm in Christ, and that makes me amazing. And so when we look at Mary, Mary is simply herself. The Bible does not describe her as being exceptional. The Bible does not describe her as having some like wild talent or being this person who just fasts and prays all the time. She's just herself. And I think another thing that makes Mary amazing is that her willingness to say yes to God. So in Luke 1, um, Mary hears the voice of the angel, and then Mary said, "Here Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Again, all seems pretty not that amazing. Um, Here am I, the the servant of the Lord. And I think that we underestimate the power of saying yes in our lives. Uh, And Mary says yes to some very hard things. I mean, if you think about Mary's life, she's visited by an angel, and then she says yes. And there's some really hard things. And when we say yes to God, it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through difficult times. I mean, first off, yes to getting pregnant by God with God. That's pretty wild. Yes to giving birth in a barn. We could take a poll right now of all the moms who have given birth. And none of the moms would want to give birth in a barn. Guaranteed. They're like, hey... You have a couple options here. One of them is a barn. <laughs> Do you want to go in the barn? Uh, yes to moving to Egypt with a newborn. Now, Egypt to Jerusalem or in that area is 435 miles. If you had money, you had a donkey. More than likely, they walked. Yes to moving back to Nazareth. Yes to watching her son grow. And be really weird. You think your kids are weird? Mary's son, that had to have been really weird. Um, And then, yes, to watching her 
son be crucified. Again, this idea of Jesus growing up, all these things that she says yes to, she might not have known. Um, but just watching Jesus grow up and be weird, I think that all of us would just hope that our kids turn out to be pretty good. But what would you do if your son was actually perfect? That would be tough, right? Like this whole idea of hire teenagers, where they still know everything? What if your kid actually did know everything? Hey, mom, I know what you're thinking right now. She's like, what? It would be pretty annoying, to be honest. But Mary says, yes. Mary says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. In Luke uh, 2, verses 33 through 35, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said uh, to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Again, how mysterious this must seem to Mary. She knows the scriptures. She's Jewish. Jewish. Both of them are Jewish. But to imagine that you're the one to fulfill the scriptures, watching the astrologers come uh, as you're giving birth in a barn, Simeon and Anna uh, saying, this is the one. I mean, all these things happening. But through it all, um, she continues to say yes to God. And I don't, again, um, oh, sorry, guys. Um, well, I've repeated that, sorry. Um, I don't know, my bad. In terms of God choosing an amazing person, I think he just chooses a normal faithful person and that she would need to be faithful as well. There's something in Catholic theology, and I, I do like some Catholic theology. It's called the Seven Swords of Mary. And in the scripture in Luke, a sword will pierce your own soul too. That, I mean, that always really stood out to me, thinking like, oh, that's got to be so weird that they would say like, you know, and a sword will pierce your soul as well. And so in Catholic theology, there are seven instances within the New Testament where Mary suffers greatly because her son is the Messiah. And so you have this teenage girl who really, again, just seems faithful and says yes. She says yes to what it is that God is asking her to do, and a sword will pierce her heart as well, and it does over and over and over again because her son is the Messiah. And so when we think about this, when we're faithful and God invites us into this, what is he inviting us into? Well, there's sin, there's death, and there's good, and there's evil. And I think we all do our best to try and insulate ourselves from this. All these things that are happening, but it keeps pressing in against us. And when we say yes to God, we certainly enter into that struggle. Again, Mary would have to suffer for saying yes to God. And so when we look at the biblical story, we see a broken world being transformed by normal people who enter the kingdom of God by saying, here am I, Lord. And so in Christ, in his birth, 
creation finds a new beginning in him. And that he's perfect and sinless. The sinless sacrificial lamb for our sins. But then he needs to be sacrificed for us as well. In his death, sin is defeated. And so, is the pain worth it to say yes to God? I think asking any mother, is it worth the pain to give birth? That any mom would say, yes, it is. When we look at Mary, she really is, in my eyes, and I think biblically, a simple teenage girl who says yes. And I think, what is God asking you to say yes to in this season of your life? What is he inviting you into? Because he's inviting all of us into the story on a regular basis or at all times. When we read scripture, when we read the book of Acts and we're like, hey man, I want to do this. Or as John Wimber would say, I want to do this stuff. That God is inviting us into this. What is he asking you to say yes to? And some of it may seem simple. I know that even Christmas time going up to see my family, God is inviting me into peacemaking, being kind, listening, not being as sarcastic as I want to. Truly. These are the things that God is inviting me into. To try and be a gentleman, to try and be a mature man. What is God inviting you into in this season of your life? To know that God chooses you and not chooses you because of who you should be, who you think you should be, or who you ought to be. That God wants to use you as you are right now. Which is kind of tough. That God can work through all of your things that are not completely, that you don't see as being completely fixed in your life. That God will use those things. He is using those things. That he chooses you right here, right now. That in Christ you can never be any more amazing than you are right now. So we see Mary, a teenage girl, uh, I hope whose simple faith would challenge and inspire us to one, accept who we are and to be able to say yes to the invitation that God is inviting us into. All right, well, somehow, amazingly, I think it's Christmas songs and other things. This is like one of the shortest services we've had, but I don't think you guys, I could just stay up here and tell stories the whole time if you wanted me to. Um, we are going to have communion, and we do this every Sunday. And communion represents um, Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. That on the last night that Jesus was here, before he was crucified, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. 
And he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. That the, the cracker represents, again, his body and the wine represents his blood for us. If you are a believer in Jesus or if you would like to start following Jesus today, then the communion table is open to you. The way that we do it is we come down the center aisle like this. We grab a piece of the cracker, we dip it into the wine, and then we go around the sides like this. We hold on to it together, the elements, and then we will all partake of communion together at the end. So if you would like to take communion, please come forward. Well, why don't we stand? <clears throat> if you did want prayer for anything after the service, you can come forward and we would love to pray for you. Um, if not, I'm just going to pray a prayer blessing over us. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for scripture. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us Help us to experience your presence, Lord. Help us to experience you, to know that we're loved, to know that we're in you, to know our value. God, would you just open our eyes to how much you love us each and every day. God, we also ask that you would bless our gatherings and our travel. Lord, that as we meet with our families, God, that we would be able to demonstrate your kingdom in meaningful, powerful, and humble ways. Lord, that you would give us the grace to be able to be kind and to listen and to love those that you have put in our lives. So we thank you and we love you. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, if you want a prayer, please come on up.